0: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Speakers and Seekers podcast. My name is Jennifer Regular and I am the soul illuminator at Lighting the Path where I help thought leaders, creatives, and visionaries direct the life that they're meant to live so that they can make the impossible possible, create global impact, and fulfill their life mission. I'm also a host of this show where I get to bring those change makers from all around the world to share their journey of awakening what inspired their life to be able to become the person they are now and do what they came here to do and hope that it inspires you as well to become a fuller expression of who you are. Today, I am so delighted to have Mike Skripnek here. He is a catalyst that ignites your passion to help you make a cosmic ripple. His role as a multiplier of entrepreneurial success and personal achievement extends through generations healing our past traumas, and reforming our subconscious patterns allows us to realize unlimited worth. Mike will show you ways to gain insight needed to develop the awareness to overcome any limit, keeping you from your own personal and professional success. Mike is an international bestseller of nine books, a keynote speaker, a men's mental health advocate, and sought-after business strategist, who has shared his insights and wisdom with thousands of passionate, purpose-driven entrepreneurs, business leaders, and executives. Mike lives, loves, and adventures with his wife, Sherry, and their two young adult children, Madison and Cohen, in the beautiful sea-to-sky corridor of British Columbia in Canada. You can find them skiing, snowboarding, hiking, mountain biking, paddle boarding, and more in the mountains and rivers and ocean just minutes from home in one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I get to share that too in Victoria, BC. So welcome Mike, I am so honored to have you here and sharing your story of unlimited worth. Thank you for being here.
1: I am I feel privileged. I'm very happy to be here, Jennifer. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Mike, you've written nine best selling books, and I'm curious what inspired you on that role? What ignited your passion to begin writing? And what was the message that you were really trying to get out there? <laughs>
1: the first book, um, I swore off ever writing another book um, eight books later. <laughs> so, uh, the, well, the very first one was uh, a, a process of trying to gain. Um, credibility in a marketplace that, um, I truly wanted to help. It was in the philanthropic space and I was a financial advisor and, and, you know, that's a wolf in the hen house kind of moment for most charities. They, They don't enjoy their experiences with people like my peer group at the time. And so I wanted to demonstrate that I was there to help and did the investigation needed, to um, you know, I gain the attention of the board of directors, who were ultimately the people who would say yes or no to whether or not I could serve that charity and connect them with their donors. So that was the beginning of uh, what ended up being, you know eight more books after that. And you know each step along the way, it was often where I wanted to demonstrate a knowledge base, gain a, a knowledge base for myself, and connect with a marketplace, if you will. It was often business. And now, you know, I'm looking at my ninth book and all the other books were really designed in a certain way. And this one is different. And, you know, that's, what's exciting about this.
0: Yeah. So what is different about this one, right?
1: Well, (laughs) there's so many things that are different, (laughs) Um, but just on the surface, it's a vastly more personal tale uh, that shares the journey that uh, I've gone through personally, expresses men that I've also spoken with that have shared uh, experience, and kind of synthesizes what those what that experience and what that journey looks like. And, you know, ultimately, it's the book is Unlimited Worth, and it's Lessons of Healing from Childhood Trauma, mm. Finding Happiness, Love, and Success for Male Leaders.
0: Ah, I love that. There's so much that can be hidden in, underneath the surface of male leaders. You know, there's this projection of someone really confident, some might even say arrogant in some cases, that you know, you want to follow, you want to receive direction from, but quite often there's some pain and there's suffering and hidden traumas that could be like from our own childhood or from generations past that we carry into that. Have you had your own story, Mike, where you've experienced some sort of suffering or trauma in your life?
1: I, I do. And, you know, first, let me say that You know, this, this book and this exercise is, is for all men Mm, and, you know, the, the families who love them. Uh, One thing that I've always sought in the business that I do in the impacts that I attempt to have in this world. And, you know, that cosmic ripple Mm -hmm. is the premise that one good splash will create a ripple that, you know, goes through generations and it's all about leverage. And even when I was helping people guide their philanthropy, it was always about getting the most, you know, turning a $5,000 gift into a $500,000 gift. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. Right. And so when I focus on leaders, what I'm really saying is I want to get the attention of the people in the C suite, in the boardroom, the leaders of sports and pro sports and athletics that people look up to in the locker room and, and also the green room, which is the entertainment industry, and when you deal with the leaders, there's a lot of good reasons for that. And I'm, I will share that. And you have the ability to set the tone, create the, the culture uh-huh. and affect literally hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of other people, other men and other people. And that's because these people these leaders have the ability to guide the outcomes of their employees, their stakeholders, and their customers. Yes. And, and, and so for me, when I consider where's my best point of leverage, I look at my repertoire of work and that is 20 years in the financial services industry working with, and then subsequently working with entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, so the comfort in the business space at the executive level is something very natural for me. So conversations with those people, um, especially on important things like this topic, begin to be something that happens easily. And so my experience of course was there. I was after 18 months of start and stop, start and stop in the middle of this pandemic that we just lived through. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and I couldn't restart my business in a way that could give me predictable traction. Um I had been serving clients for so long and so intensely while they struggled trying to figure out their businesses and there was I was very isolated. And you know I got to this point with a contract that just ended up ending. It was you know just stopped, you know, that was it. I thought the thing was going to be much larger for whatever reasons it just didn't work out and then I was sitting looking at my life going, my business is I'm telling people how to run their businesses and I have no business. And I felt hopeless and worthless and useless at that moment. Um, and in any other point in my life, I've been able to navigate those waters quickly, remedy my emotional state, find the positives and move on. And in this particular case, I went diving deep into the darkness of depression uh, and it was 10 days, uh, the worst 10 days of my life, uh, in terms of my emotional state. It, and I would say it because it wasn't that I felt bad. I was descending into something I had no control of. And it was taking me to places of darkness that I ended, I considered ending my life on a daily basis on my daily walk by a local river. And that was just happened to be bad weather. And it was raging. And I thought, well, what if I just toss myself in and end it? You know, my, my life would be all my stresses. There's no financial stress, no business. Like I can just end it, put a bow on this and my family can have the insurance and they'll be good for the rest of their lives. And of course, that's not a good option. And, you know, at day 10, I was, you know, scared out of my wits that I was in that moment. Uh, My wife had been commuting to work and coming back, wondering if I was going to be there. And she reflected that with me and I had to dig out. And so I reached out for help with a good friend of mine and she, you know, threw me that lifeline and she's the kind of relationship though, where, you know, she threw me the love that I needed, but also whacked me over the head with the life preserver. Like yeah. let's, like her love is tough, you know, and we have that relationship and it was what I needed to change course, but, you know, holding back from ending my life was a pretty simple process, as much as I was, I actually went as far as writing down the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, I, look, I looked at my family and, you know, my love for my family and, and their strength and support. I just couldn't do that to them. I was, it was, it'd be a selfish act. I mean, what more selfish act would it be for me to, I couldn't deal with my t- trauma at the time. So I am my life and then change their lives forever. I mean, this is not fair, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't the right thing to do. It was so selfish. And then the next thing for me was, I'm just I'm an optimist. I actually, even the darkest moment, I still want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. Hmm. You know, I still want to know you know if the light at the in the tunnel is the train or the sunshine, you know, I'm always that guy. And so those things started to help me, you know, come out of this. Um, but when you once you step out, I was still like, there was a disaster happening. My business was nowhere. I was still an emotional wreck and I needed to fix some things. I never wanted to be back there. So I took the step to say, well, if I never want to repeat all the things that I might've been repeating that I think are part of this challenge that I'm experienced today. And I never want to be in that dark place. What do I have to do? And there was kind of an elephant in the room. You know, there was, what is the one thing I never dealt with? And now 40 years later, it's probably the one thing that's just about killed me. And it really was something I experienced sexual trauma, sexual abuse at age 11. And that in particular, that event set a, a, a subconscious course of direction in a child that stuck with me my entire life. And at 51 at the time there, I was having to deal with it and so process of healing.
0: What was that process of healing, Mike, once you discovered what was going on, what was there, what was coming up for the surface for you? How were you able to move through that? What allowed the healing to occur?
1: There's many things, and I I think there's some key elements, and this is kind of, this is part of my message to other men, Mm. is because here I am in a public forum talking about it. And every day I'm in a public forum on stage or in podcasts or through my book talking about this openly and plainly. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't have to be everyone's situation. What it did require, though, is speaking openly and fully. Uh, My wife always knew, but she never thought I had a challenge, you know, and I, you know, and reflecting, I said, you know, Sherry, this is all connected and I have to deal with this and you know, maybe here's a few more details about that experience that 11 year old boy had um, that maybe would be helpful. And so I spoke with someone I loved and trusted. I love and trust more, you know, and will have that um, space for me, that empathy and compassion. And then the next person that I arranged to speak with, even though I did speak with a professional on the way out, she gave me that life preserver, but I needed to speak with a person who could do treatment. And what I did know because it's not like I didn't think about my trauma all my life. Like every day I was thinking it. So for years I'd been trying to like come to terms with how, what it meant in my life, but I was wandering around without a guide. Right. So it was just empty, you know, empty exploration. So I needed a guide. I needed a trusted therapist. And so I, I sourced out someone who did trauma therapy, EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing and 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 worked heavily in that space because this was the emotions of trauma were connected to something. And emotions are the things that make us do good, bad. They drive our actions, right? Um, we don't know what's going on subconsciously. So we just instinctually have things that happen and we we do things. But it's the emotions that make us make decisions. Like that's mm-hmm. that's where we believe we have our free will, our choice. It's all about how do we feel about it okay well, i feel this well our guts telling us something very different we have very different wiring so what i what i knew logically but hadn't experienced until i engaged a professional who was an expert in this and that is i understood that emdr was a good way to reduce the impact of trauma it was it's a proven technique and therapy that's been used and is heavily used with post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, that's going to help. And then let's find out what else. And through the process, what I learned, and this is where, you know, this is the crux of my book is I learned that everything, not just some things, (laughs) everything was connected to the trauma I had experienced. And that was, for me, it was an invasive terrible trauma, but it was also one of the few, if any, major traumas in my childhood. So it kind of boiled down to that that moment or those moments, right? And what happens in our childhood brain is as we have a developing brain, and we're talking from in the womb until your brain stops really forming, if you will, in your early 20s, traumas embed reaction. And that reaction is Um, you know, we all have experiences, so good experiences. We do more of it, right? We tend to go where areas that we get positive reinforcement. That's part of our learning. We are constantly sensory learning all this stuff and it's being processed when we have trauma, we have negative experiences. They are received in the form of trauma and my trauma created a response in my brain that said, whatever you do, protect this kid. Right. So the hardwiring that goes into that moment is protect the life of this organism so they can reproduce somewhere down the line. Right. Like that's kind of at a fundamental level. And so, what what was one of the key elements? Well, for me, the key protection was do not trust the good men in the community. The pillar of the community. It was the pillar of our community that. Raped me, right? So we have the ex Air Force, um, World War II decorated pilot. We have the 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 husband of my school principal. We have the he was the choir leader, the church leader, the Boy Scout leader, like a good looking, strapping six foot plus guy who every parent put their trust in and gave their boys over, and methodically for years he was raping them right? And what I learned, but I never didn't understand it at the time, or quite frankly, until recently, was that my mechanism was avoid at all costs being in a situation where the perceived good man in the room was in the room. So never work with them, never do anything with them, stay away from them. And so subconsciously, I either began repelling them or um choosing to avoid them, which meant siding or doing business. And I did a lot, I was in the business community for a long time. So siding with men who you could see their flaws and, you know, because it was, I could see it. Like if your knives are out, I can see them coming. If they're hidden behind your back, I don't know. I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's no knife there. And so my hardwiring was avoid anyone that you can't see anything. Right. The challenge, of course, is I ended up working or siding with or doing business with or aligning with men who had flaws and consistently in good and bad times in really great times, men with flaws, maybe their greed bone is bigger than others and they mess things up. Or maybe they're in negative times, their stresses compound and, and they create an explosion of their business or whatever, right? So I was always close enough to those situations that when it blew up for them, it always hurt me. And there was a restart or a, re, a change of whatever. Like there was always loss of some sort. And I couldn't put my finger on it. I just thought I was picking bad people. But I didn't have a choice in how I picked those and how I was repelling good people from me.
0: Amazing. And Mike, in the beginning of all of that too, you spoke about... Um, these leaders and being human and what was there and gathering the skills that you had as you were writing your different books and you're right along the journey, we gather our skills and our abilities, and then we start to tap into our potency, which I can see that's what's happened for you. And then, you know, the more we polarize that, the more we can amplify that and getting really focused into that and then recognizing what, what happened in your past and how, That changed the course of how you perceive the world and perceived leaders and protect in particular pillars of the community and created that story and and the environments and situations that are around you and how you can navigate those was a way too of finding the message in that mass. Right. And now you're talking about unlimited worth. And what does that really mean to experience unlimited worth? Can you share more about that?
1: The starting point, and and this is kind of great. Like my therapist has quoted this this phrase, "emotional time travel."
0: Mm, I like and
1: that. I love it. And what it really does is, you know, the effect of going through therapy that that is effective, um, basically positions you wherever you are today. So me as the 51 year old man at the time, um, with the child the day before the trauma occurred. Uh Right. And so when I look back to that child, that 11 and a few months old child, um, the world was my oyster. My parents, um, were just, you know, having me assessed for the gifted school. They were, you know, I was MVP of the teams. I was like, I was this kid who was on a trajectory that had basically unlimited options in my life. Mm -hmm. Right. And I felt that, and that's the child within me. And you know, the trauma occurred and I didn't suppress all of that. I, I was, I'm still a driven human being. Mm -hmm. And this is where leaders, I think the real comment for leaders are is that, it was, you know, my resilience for that might've also helped fire that up, but I was always that guy. I was going to be that guy one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's just now my instincts were wired differently than a healthy um, wiring. Right. And so I look at, you know, going, going fast forward to 51 year old man who's considering, you know, taking his own life. And at the time I was worthless. I felt useless, good and every time I tried to rise to my potential, I was limited. Mm. And the book, I wanted to show that the other side, and, you know, there is definitely a duration effect. If you've been assaulted and abused, or you've had sustained over long periods of time in your life, it doesn't just happen quickly that you can resurrect yourself out of this as healing isn't an overnight thing. Mm -hmm. For me, I was fortunate that these were isolated moments And I was able to get a little, maybe a quicker path to it, but I've been logically thinking about this for years. So maybe it was just, I've been doing my own therapy, but without (laughs) therapy. Um, And, and so where it, where I was then is on the other side, I went, wow, I feel amazing. And suddenly there was an energy about me, a difference that people automatically through. And I have to say through zoom, because that's the bulk of the communication I was doing yeah. just said, you're different. I noticed something different about you. What's changed about you. You look different. You sound different. You're talking differently. And that was under the surface. And now it was, it was visible. And so what I realized is it just uncapped everything. I was like, now I had unlimited and one of the big um, things that we need to understand when we are victims and I I hate the word victim. So I'm not going to use it. So when we've experienced negative trauma and someone has taken something from us, um, we feel worthless um, and we lack trust. And knowing that you can trust that you'll be fine and you'll be okay. I'm not going to ever be in that situation again in my life. I'll be perfectly fine. No one can dupe me in that same way. No one will trick me into a place like that again. And so I'm worth, I'm worth everything. I've got value and I trust that I'll be okay. So that's where unlimited worth comes from. And then I asked a bunch of other leaders, business people, and I I said, you know, I know that you've gone through some things and you've gone through treatment and therapy. What's your story? They all had the same story. Wow. The pre- you know how everything was connected how there were these underlying things that they didn't see in their subconscious and that was playing out in their life over and over and over again how these emotions all of a sudden that they experienced because of those things playing out would make them do you know things that weren't healthy or positive for their life all the way from addiction to just bad business decisions and bad relationship decisions and then on the other side of their healing experience they had all these this revelation that none of it was connected anymore, and so if EMDR has any incredible, mirror, what I call miraculous effect, and that is disconnecting the emotional response to from the underlying subconscious action, and yes. that's my book entirely is about the patterns, the behavior of the subconscious that drives us, whether we think we have will or not. Mm-hmm. And then the emotions that are connected, and after healing or going through healing, they begin to disconnect. And right. so now I'm happy or sad, and they come. It comes and go, It's fleeting. It doesn't come from some deeper place. It just exists. And that's what people who haven't been through trauma enjoy. People who've healed enjoy that these these emotions just happen. You know, people. You always wonder, like, how come it always seems easier for that person? because they don't have this deep subconscious connection um, to some of these patterns. Yes. And, and so, so that's the exploration of all of this is that I wanted to show that this is the true experience of men on the other side mm. and, and that you're, you're not alone. I, the, the phrase, you're not alone. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, everyone in walking through the path always feels alone. So you can mm-hmm. tell them all, you know, you're not alone, but they're all going to go, um, this is my thing. Yeah, It's not the bigger lesson is all the risks you asked about leaders. So re- leaders won't talk and why leaders there's a bandwidth of humanity that, you know, that's, that, and I don't want to, like, it's not a socioeconomic thing, but middle class, let's say middle class, right? okay. middle bandwidth, when the wheels come off our lives, when we're in that bandwidth, We don't pay bills, we lose, you know, everything is obvious. So our community Mm -hmm. and our families start to go, hey, you got a problem, right? Like you got to address this because you're, you don't have a job, you want, you know, none of that. Successful leaders or perceived successes in our community, and a lot of men are who, who have had trauma because they rise above, right? Yes. They'll never show you. They've got money, they have buffer they have um, what looks like success and they have the the title the you know all of this stuff that helps create this buffer so they never have to share their secret and then of course if they've worked so hard to do that that and our cultural upbringing as men say um it's about dominance about money it's about violence it's about dominance over women it's about sex it's about you know gaining things and competition mm. And so if you say, well, I've got a weakness, I was hurt. And for men with sexual abuse, it's even more of a intrusive experience and that you're even vulnerable, Mm -hmm. that someone did something to you that there's no way they would get away with it in common culture. But that's not true. Traumas happen like that. All of a sudden you go, well, I can't tell anybody. You know what? I'm the CEO of a company. We've got ten thousand employees. What will my stakeholders think? You know, so all of and then there's misgivings about what it means to go through treatment. You know, like a lot of leaders who've had trauma, who've done good and bad things in their lives feel that there's a confessional moment. <laughs> and we don't have to live, you don't have to confess every sin you've ever done. You have to just talk about the one thing that yeah. might have been the keystone of all of this for you. And you don't have to talk about it with the public,
0: you know? And then you really develop the capacity to be able to be strong and vulnerable at the same time and trust the support that surrounds you and how actually more powerful your message and your presence and your expression in the world can be and how you can uplift humanity through that and cultivate conscious leadership. And I love when you were talking about um, releasing the emotions and that we all, we are multi sensory beings having these multi dimensional lives. We're not just any one thing and, you know, taking the world in through any one sense. Like there's this whole array and spectrum. We are a continuation of life, but releasing the emotional attachments to the person or situation and having that something inside you that was purpose driven, like you said. Earlier, even in your darkest moment, you still wanted to know what was happening tomorrow. There was still a little bit of light, a little bit of curiosity. And that's the purpose that drives us. And harnessing that, we get to continue. And so what makes you so passionate about, in particular, helping those purpose-driven entrepreneurs?
1: I've always been of uh, the inclination to want to help. I mean, when I was that mm-hmm. eight, 11 year old boy prior, I wanted to be uh, a, a doctor. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be a physician. Mm-hmm. And then the institutional confines um, were kind of my excuse not to be like, I didn't want to be in school. I didn't want to live by the rules and I want to be under the man, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I took shortcuts to have some exposure, phys ed degree, worked in athletic therapy, did uh, the rehabilitation work with pro athletes, like that was a, a path. But it was just a cheat to avoid going into the institution of medical school because institutions, for me, felt like another place I could get victimized. Uh, but I didn't know any of that. Like right? it was just happening. And then in business, you know, in striving, um, you know, to combine you know, what you know now today, like, how does it, how does it help, right? You know, you circle, well, if I'm a leader and I perceive the risk too great to show vulnerabilities, I just wrote a blog on this uh, yesterday and I, I was messing around with the idea. Keep people to keep talking about, it's good to be vulnerable. And you know, the reality is, is that once you get to a point of trust that you'll be okay, be honest about your personal challenges, your traumas, and, what you, and, and once you've exposed that, all of a sudden, all these perceived risks aren't really risks anymore because people love you more, they accept you more, and people who don't really segment themselves out of your life, really. It's pretty quick. And what I've learned is that what you perceive to be a vulnerability once you get there is no longer a vulnerability. I don't know if it's a power, but I view it as an opportunity. And so my vulnerability, like people say, well, thank you for being so vulnerable. And at this moment, none of it feels like I'm being vulnerable. The only time I felt like it was a vulnerability was when I perceived that the risk of sharing was the vulnerability. I don't know if it's, it's kind of this moment where there's a cause and effect to it. And now that it's out in the open, there's, I don't feel any vulnerability at all.
0: No, no. You and know? you don't have those emotional attachments Got either none. because they've been disconnected. Yeah, we just unplug so, from all of that trauma and drama, right? <laughs>
1: right trauma drama. <laughs> and drama. From those so power it,
0: sources, unplug it, plug it into a better power source. Yeah, you're
1: absolutely right. So, mm. you know, for someone, so for me prior to treatment, prior to going through this, mm-hmm. it would always be a vulnerability mm. because the moment I shared, I would be worried that I wouldn't be valued, trusted, I couldn't trust, I, I'd be worthless, all these other things, the shame, the guilt, you know, all of these core emotions where it would still be connected even if I was out in public with it so it didn't help like I told my wife back in you know the first few months of our relationship but it didn't do anything to help me through that Mm. and in fact her experience was not trauma-based in life and so she didn't understand that maybe it would be connected and maybe we didn't have the information back then and you know now she gets it and now we all get it. And what I wanna share is when you, cause men will bury this, the average age, average years is like 25 years. So a man will bury their childhood abuse mm-hmm. of whatever it is, physical, mm-hmm. sexual, whatever nature for 25 years on average, 24 or 25 years. Well, that that's not really healthy. A lot of stuff happens in our lives. It's a life sentence. <laughs>
0: It's a 25 sentence. years is a life sentence. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, you know, interesting point. Sorry. I'm going to bounce around a bit here. Um, oh. people ask me and you know, I know it's a personal empathetic response to say, I'm so sorry oh. to hear that you were victimized in that way. Like somebody assaulted you, you know, yeah. and without a doubt, um, on a, on a surface, if you just look at it, it's a, it's, a, it was a horrific act. And what was worse, it was a premeditated horrific act that was repeated, not with me, but with lots of boys, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so that makes it horrific, but really it wasn't the worst thing. The worst thing was that my brain did everything in its power to protect that kid. Yes. And wired in some real core elements that would be very effective in those circumstances or in a life or death circumstance for me going forward, uh-huh. they would save my bacon, but in regular society dealing and navigating in just everyday life where we're not threatened, where our lives are not threatened and we don't have to fight for survival. Uh-huh. Those, those hardwire patterns just, they, they aren't congruent. And so that's where, the problem was for me. And there were a lot of other underlying subconscious patterns that got built in with this, but that, if I were to, that was the one is the biggest one is because that changed my outcomes all the time. And it led me, you know, to play small, smaller, right. I would love, I love the being in front. I'll take, I'll put everybody's weight on my shoulders and go out in front, right. Hmm. Happy to do that. You Mm -hmm. don't have to get a therapist get someone in love and trust, share that with them. That's all you need to do. Mm -hmm. But I'll, I'll go out there and start breaking down those doors. I'm happy to do that before I wanted to be just big enough. Just below Mm -hmm. vice president, not president, president, not CEO, you know, that role suited me well. And the reason is because if I was in the absolute brightest light, my secret would be revealed. Mm -hmm. Right and then all would be lost. That was my perception. And that's the perception of leaders. The, their secret will be revealed. Their their hidden weaknesses will be revealed and they'll be taken advantage of. Competition will take what's theirs. They will be thought lesser of. All of mm-hmm. these things that we- present, stories
0: that we right? tell ourselves, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's all yeah. the stories we tell ourselves because mm-hmm. I have never felt better, more mm-hmm. trusted, more trusting, more worthy, and more valuable than I do today mm-hmm. with all of this out on the open. Yes. And, and so, you know, the lesson is obviously that, you know, it, it, what you don't want to define you is going to define you every day of your life anyways. And the worst thing about childhood trauma and particular abusive trauma is it will kill you mm. eventually. Like we're all in the path to, you know, the mortuary at some point in our lives, but this will kill you faster. And it's killing men. Four out of five suicides between 40 and 60 year old men. Uh, people are men today. Wow. Um, you know, men are men are 30. The rise in depression in men and from stats can since 2018 in Canada alone is 30 percent higher rates, wow. Incident <clears> rates <throat> of reported depression. Right. Uh, the top eight. So the uh, suicide is the eighth leading cause of death of men in Canada, right? But the other seven is heart rate, cardiopulmonary uh, disease, uh, cancer, other uh, vascular diseases, right? Heart attacks. What do you think causes all that stuff? Uh, one of the biggest contributing factor is stress, mm-hmm. anxiety, lack of sleep, poor eating, and probably alcohol, right? And guess what all of those are a product of? not being able to deal with your trauma or emotional work, you know, stress. Right. And so the common factors of all the things that kill us right now, men in particular, and we're dying at a rate that's disproportionate to women, you know, from an age and a a percentage ways is we can fix this stuff. Yes. Related.
0: Yes. And by fixing, it's bringing back into balance, realigning with who you truly are. And it may be oversimplified to say this and wrap our heads around how the inner work makes the outer work effortless. Your story that you shared today, not your story, your life experiences really show, demonstrate what that means, right? When life seemed chaotic and tumultuous, unmanageable and you didn't even want to live it anymore. Those thoughts were going through your head and then to Dive in to that inner work. And now that you have the outer work has become effortless because you're detached from those emotional baggages and you didn't, not forgetting it's still a part of who you are, what your experiences, what's happened to you. But now you can lead from the front, right? And you can stand up and go beyond that edge out of that comfort zone into your growth zone and really deepen and get to your true passion. And the passion, the way I see it, when you break up the word is pass I on and that I is your soul's expression of who you are and what you're meant to express here and pass on in this lifetime and through your books and through your speaking and through your leading and just authentic sharing <laughs> mm. you're passing on this unlimited worth and Mike I'm so grateful for everything that you've shared around that and I know there's still a lot more you have nine books about it you continue to speak <laughs> on it so how can people find out more about you and what you've written and what you've spoken about and and continue to do how can they connect
1: well I'm hoping at some point my name and men's mental wellness from a um, will be so not, you know, ubiquitous, not synonymous. Mm. Ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. At some point, if you're thinking about that, you'll find me. But right now, mikeskripnik.com is my website. So just forward slash unlimited worth project, unlimited worth podcast, unlimited worth book. You'll be able to find my book on Amazon in a few weeks once it's published and launched and ready to go. Um, that's where you'll find me. Uh, I'm you know fortunate enough to have a story that might be interesting enough for people like you, Jennifer, to share on podcasts. Um, I, I do, I'm recording one or two a week now. And so, and I hold host my own. So without a doubt, we're going to make an impact um, in order to change the world. So boys become better men. Mm-hmm. I'm starting with the leaders of today to help them become better men, become the good men they always have been and create a culture and an environment that is giving the space for those other men to realize their unlimited worth.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so well said. Is there anything else that you would like to say to share, to bring that message forth today, Mike?
1: Just a couple of key things. Mm -hmm. The first and most important is you have to break your silence and you have to do it today. That's it. Break your silence. And how, what does that look like? tell, first of all, acknowledge to yourself that everything is connected to whatever that trauma might've been. It is. You may not think it, you might think you're a success. You haven't had treatment. It ain't, it ain't fixed. So you got to go and say it's connected. Um, talk to someone you love and trust and share that with them. You might be surprised at how many other people you end up telling, but start there and then find a professional especially if it's trauma-based from childhood who specializes in EMDR and talk therapy. Like there's a combination. They don't just strictly stay with EMDR. There's a therapy therapy side to it as well. That's all, you know, that 100% better the next day. And then you get to be a little bit better every time, right? So immediately you'll feel better and you'll get better over time, a bit by bit, bit by bit until you know, you begin to feel whole and that's a great mm. word as opposed to healing this. Yes. Know, I feel whole today. I feel like, you know, I've done that emotional time travel back to that great kid.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Fantastic. Mike, this has been such <laughs> a true experience of life, you know, and how we walk this journey, not alone, although it can certainly feel that way, but, as Ram Das said, we are all just walking each other home. And so I'm Amen. so grateful that we were able to come together today and have this conversation and that you are here today, you know, a lot different <laughs> from when you were in that moment. And, you know, the, the decisions that change the whole trajectory of our lives, you know, how do we want to live it and break the silence, do that now and connect with Mike. I'm going to have all those links in the show notes and the video description below so that you can easily connect to that. For all of you that have been listening and watching, I thank you so very much for being here. And I hope you'll enjoy Join us again next week. Mike, it's been such an honor having you here. So thank you again for sharing with us so openly. Appreciate that.
1: Thanks, Jennifer. I really, really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yes, thank you. And I honor each and every one of you. And we'll see you again next time. Bye for now.